Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. I'm really happy to introduce you a friend of mine, and he's going to introduce a bunch of friends of his. And this is a special call. We're going to issue. We're going to be is, discussing the issues that are front burner every day on the news. That is homosexuality, transgenderism, you name it. All of those issues are going to be front and center. And I want you to hear from some people who've walked to the cross of Christ Jesus, who've experienced forgiveness, healing, transformation. These are stories I want you to know about. These are the stories that the mainstream media is not going to tell you about. And so I hope you'll call your friends and get them on. Hear these stories of spiritual victory. We're going to go right now to my friend Jim Doman. Jim, take the first take the first one minute and just talk about your ministry and what you do. Then we're going to get into your life story. But sure. talk about the ministry you have. Welcome, Jim. We're delighted you're on. Hey, Dr. Garlow. Thanks for having me on the show. And I want your listeners to know that Dr. Garlow led the state of California to change California's constitution back in 2008. That only marriage between a man or a woman is valid or recognized. Article 1, Section 7.5 in California's Constitution. My, well, I'll say Dr. Garlow, he was a pastor at Wesleyan Skyline at the time, led pastors across the entire state to do the impossible. And I am so proud to call him not only my friend, but when um, we passed it, the first news conference, Dr. Garlow had me stand right next to him and continue to speak truth to the culture regarding this. And so, Jim, I just want to say thank you for your boldness, your righteousness, how you continue to stand for God, even if it's not popular, even if you get attacked for it, you continue to stand for righteousness. And God will continue to honor and bless you and your ministry. I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you. Let me just give a shout out to God, what he did on that, just for a second, so people can realize what a miracle this was. Yeah. We started out in the polls, in the field poll at 38%. It was only 14 words. Only marriage between a man and a woman uh, is recognized in the ballot in the state of California. That was all. That's the whole thing. Whole amendment. And we started out 38%. In the history of California, it never started out with a negative and never moved across the 50% mark to a positive. Never. And so even my Christian friends said it can't be done. And the evangelicals lined up with the Catholics. And then finally, we connect with the Mormon church. And they helped fight together and when it was all over, a miracle occurred that Amen. no one expected except those of us who were praying. And tens of thousands of people fasted for 40 days. They extended actually 43 days. Tens of thousands fasted and prayed in California. And people from across the country joined us fasting and praying for 40, 43 days as it turned out. And the result was we won 52.3%. And Jim, that's still in the California Constitution, Article 1. Yep. If they ever, it could have been root, removed by a three-judge appellate panel. They never did. They left it in. All we need is a revival in the land yes. and the right case to go to the Supreme Court. And we'll be back restoring marriage. It may take us 50 years like it did reversing Roe v. Wade. But Obergefell yes. will someday fall because righteousness and truth is going to rise. But thank you for that little time. Give me an opportunity to praise God for what he did during that time. But back to you, Jim, and your story. So, you know, kind of a segue that into there, I started Church United, churchunited.com in 2016. And Jim, the reason why I did this, God has given me a passion for government and his kingdom and church doesn't really play really well with government. And I couldn't get one pastor to go to Washington, D.C. with me. And my wife and I sponsored six 
we took them and God has, again, has blessed that ministry. We've grown to over 2,500 pastors in California, helping them engage in government to stand up uh, uh, for righteousness. And of those 2,500 pastors, over 500 are Spanish speakers. God's opening up doors in the Spanish speaking community. And I believe in California that this they will be the people group that will change the state and save our republic. I honestly believe it'll come from the Spanish speaking Latino church because they have not forsaken scripture. They have not forsaken God. But I, I will say this too. We're taking a, a uh, 20 pastors from across the country, California and about three other states to DC on the 30th of January uh, to pray and fast and intercede at a Church United Awakening tour. That's my day job. My uh, ministry, quote unquote, on the side is I'm the globe, the president of the Global Rainbow Crossers Alliance. We have 52 nations. I'll give you the name of it again. The name of it again is what? Global Rainbow Crossers Alliance. Like we've crossed over the rainbow. <laughs> My, our Asian friends in Taiwan came up with the messaging and the name. It was brilliant. But there's 52 nations of former LGBTQ leaders who take the stand, as some of my friends do on this call, from the United States. And I've got three friends to join. And if I may, Jim, can I introduce them? By all means, do that. All right. My, a dear friend of mine, Chris Olson, uh, she's coming from our zooming in from uh, Orange County, uh, California today. Uh, she's a former lesbian as well as a LPGA, Ladies Professional Golf. Um, I, uh, one of my newest friends, Danielle Voda, she's coming in from the state of Delaware. She was a former bisexual atheist. And Kevin Kevin is a treat. Let me just tell you that. I love Kevin to pieces. He has a dramatic story. He was a former transgender female. He's biological male and was a drag queen and a prostitute. And God has redeemed him like he's redeemed all of us. And Jim, we all have stories that have not only changed, but Christ cleanses our hearts and our minds, makes us new creations, and we can live in righteousness, live in healthy sexuality as God intended it. Jesus would be so happy with this call. And he's so in love with each one of you. I, I just praise God for these stories of, of redemption. This is amazing. Jim, we're going to jump right in. Why don't you start? What do you think, Jim? You kind of co-host here with me, if you would. Sure. Why don't we start with your story first? So we do right. that? And then it'll move around to whatever order you want. and. And we'll kind of throw it wide open for you to help guide this. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Well, I grew up in a Christian family. My dad uh, is now a retired LA County Sheriff. My mom, a librarian. And the reason my mom went back to work is my parents sent us to Christian schools and couldn't afford it on my dad's salary. So we got a tuition discount. And, you know, and I share this because the what's going on in education right now is unbelievable. And I have a huge pull to uh heart to pull kids out of the public schools, not only in California, but across the United States. So my parents, what, 30, 40 years ago, took us out of the public schools. We had a Christian education until high school. But I share that because every family is dysfunctional, but my family was more on the functioning side of things. I wasn't physically abused. I, my parents weren't in drugs and alcohol. We had a very loving home, good, solid, Christian, all-American family. The thing is with me, I never connected with my dad on that emotional level, on that physical level. And 
I tried, he connected with my younger brother and younger sister in sports. They excelled. I mean, anything my brother touched, he was varsity and he just excelled. Always the first kid picked on a team. Me, I was the last. My younger sister, seven years younger, got a full ride scholarship for soccer at Cal State Long Beach. And then there's me kind of on the sideline. And I share that because when boys have a legitimate need to connect with their dads or other men and those needs aren't met, it's very likely or possible you could deal with same-sex attraction because these legitimate needs are never met and they become sexualized at puberty. And that's probably the most succinct way I can share my story of same-sex attraction. Thankfully, I grew up in the church, read God's word, a Bible-believing church at the time. It's actually my home church is now woke. But at the time, I knew it was wrong and I prayed and I pleaded with God to take this temptation, this sin of homosexuality away. And guess what? He didn't, Jim. He didn't. And what do you do when God doesn't, you know, you say, remove the sin from me and he doesn't. Well, after about, well, I'll just say this. When I was 23, I just said, God, I've had it. I've had enough. I want to, I want to get married. I want to have a life. I don't want to be lonely. Your plan's not going to work for me. And from the age of 23 to 28, I went into the gay lifestyle. I came out in Portland, Oregon, ended up moving to Palm Springs, uh, Marriage wasn't legal in California at the time, but my partner and I, we wore rings like we were. So we were well committed to one another, but it was not a monogamous relationship. Um, and he was HIV positive and hepatitis C positive. I didn't care because I was so desperate to love and be loved. Thankfully, God has protected me from those diseases and any other STD out there, which is a miracle um, and June 8th, 2002, I just celebrated 21 years of coming back to the Lord. God took everything from me, Jim, absolutely everything. I needed complete brokenness to be humbled. And in Palm Springs, California, to look up at a ceiling all by myself in an apartment all alone one night and say, God, I'm yours again. And that date, June 8th, 2002, a miracle happened the next day. My partner had taken all the money out of our bank account put it into a separate account with his name on it. He was an artist. I ran our business overnight. I had nothing. And I just said, God, I'm yours again. And the miracle happened when I walked out onto a public street in North Palm Springs on Highway 111 in Tamarisk or Tamarack. I walked out on a public sidewalk. $5 was laying next to my car. And when I picked it up, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Jim, I took care of the Israelites in the desert and I'll take care of you and yours. So God began this miracle of healing and restoration. Despite this miracle, there is still something within me that as soon as I get back on my feet, I'm going to be gay. I'm going to go right back into the lifestyle. But God had a different plan. I had Christian friends who reached out. My parents said, move back home, which I did. And that was the last place I wanted to go as a 28-year-old man who's been all over the world, moved back home with mommy and daddy. But God used that to restore my relationship as a grown man with my dad and my mom. And Jim, I got to tell you this, my parents helped me understand God because their hearts to, re to redeem, love, restore, forgive is unbelievable. And when I came home, my dad said, son, we don't have a head of cattle. I can't kill the fatted calf from Luke 15. Um, he said, Jim, what we can do is we can take you to the finest restaurant in Orange County and take you to dinner and get the nicest steak we can. And I think I ended up getting filet mignon medium rare, 
but to celebrate my son has come home. And from that, God has healed and restored me. I've been through many programs. And you know what? I wanted nothing to do with the church. And the irony of this is that's what I do. I work with the church today because I wanted to be Jesus with skin on to a lost and dying world. But a mentor said, Jim, what if you could help equip the church dealing with LGBTQ issues? Think how you could exponentially expound the reach of Christ and the church. And I'm living that today. It was almost a prophetic word slash you know, advice, counsel, wisdom, my mentor gave me. Um, so yeah, that's my story. I wrote my first book this, this past year, Not a Mistake, Parents Hope for Their Gay Son. But what's uh, it, what's the title again? Not a Mistake, Parents Hope for Their Gay Son. Uh, hold, up the, hold up the copy of the book if you can, yeah, if you have it there. Do that. And, and then, and, uh, and, and where can people get that? Uh, Amazon.com or anywhere? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon.com. You can get a copy uh, at notamistake.com. It's on Audible. We just trans it's translated into Spanish. It'll be all in South and Central America starting in March. We're gonna do a big release in Los Angeles and the Spanish-speaking world. I'm excited. The book is help setting help, helping to set people free because it points them to Jesus. Wait, and it there's, gives hope there's to probably parents. a lot of parents and grandparents who are really tuned in and are needing your help. So, Not a Mistake by Jim Doman, D-O-M-A-N. E-N. E-N. Sorry about that. That's okay. D-O-M-E-N. And um, and then your website is what? Notamistake.com. And that's just for the book. You have another website. Notamistake.com is for the book. Your main website for your ministry is what? Churchunited.com. Churchunited.com. Uh, folks, I know numbers of you are grabbing pens and papers right now and writing this down. So you need to get this book. This will help you dealing with maybe maybe one of your children, one of your grandchildren, and help you pray them through uh, to get the victory. Jim, go on with your story, or if you're done, we'll go to the others. Uh, Let me. I, I want to. I want some of my friends to share the amazing work that they what God's done in their life. And I'm going to start off with Chris Olson, Pastor Chris Olson. Chris and I have been friends for years, and I just, Jim, I got to tell you, I love her heart. I love her heart and compassion for people struggling with same-sex attraction and the parents she's helped over the years. She has her own ministry in Orange County. Chris, why don't you uh, share a little bit about your story in life? All right. Thanks, Jim. So I was raised in a Christian family, uh, but we were um, not practicing Christianity at home. So we were go to church on Sunday morning Christians. But I got the good news of Jesus Christ. I understand I understood who he was. I never did not believe that. Um and growing up I didn't understand how I was supposed to operate out of that, but I never I did not believe that Jesus was God, that he was raised from the dead, that he was born of a virgin and all those very important seeds that were planted in me when I was a young child. So through my church, um, not necessarily at home. And so growing up, I started to develop a little bit of a, I would call it like emotional dependency on women. I wouldn't necessarily call it a sexualized um, attraction. So I knew that was unusual. I, I didn't understand what to do with it, but as I grew older, um, and all my friends started dating and those kinds of things. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I, I tried a little bit, but I just wasn't very good. I was kind of like the one date wonder. 
I had no idea what was happening, what was within me that was kind of causing men to not be uh, attracted to me necessarily. So, um, so in my twenties, I decided, okay, I've, I've got kind of this attraction that's developed towards women or this emotional connection that I really feel like I'm a lot more in tune with females than males. And so I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to date guys. I'm not going to date girls. Um, I felt like it was not a correct way to be feeling at the time. I, I didn't embrace it, but I didn't know what to do with it. So, so I just made a decision, kind of no dating in any direction. I went on into my career. Um, I was recruited to Cal State Fullerton, played on the golf team there. Um, left and went into a bunch of businessmen in Orange County, decided to sponsor me on the tour, left and went on to the tour. Um, it was actually the Futures Tour at the time, which is now the Symmetra Tour, kind of the minor leagues of the LPGA. Played there for a while, year or two, and then um, came home and just took a job in the industry, working as a club pro and then working um in a lot of different areas of golf, a teacher, just a, a, a director of instruction, those kinds of things. Um, but when I was um, 33, I got saved and it was a radical conversion. Like I was baptized in the spirit and saved all at the same moment. And I just immediately started exhibiting um, all those gifts of the spirit and just was on fire for the Lord. So and I felt like from the very beginning, he called me to to be like, this is what your life is going to be from now on. You're going to do this. You're going to serve me full time. So I went on a lot of mission trips. I, I was in Russia. I was in Austria. I was in Japan. I was, I've been all over the world serving the Lord, sharing the word, um, teaching the Bible, those kinds of things. And, um, but even as a believer, what happened was I, re I realized that the, the, the attraction to women was not going away. So my spiritual man is alive and well on fire for Jesus, but I'm, I'm baffled that my, what people call sexual orientation was not changing. So I prayed about it for years. Um, about 14 years went by. I hit a little bit of a, a desert time in my walk, like a lot of Christians do. I wasn't hearing the voice of the Lord very clearly. I wasn't hearing the voice of the Lord through my pastor or when I picked up the Bible. Um, I got very involved in a new job that I'd taken that I absolutely loved. And um, in that process, I ended up meeting a woman that I fell in love with. And that was really a difficult difficult time i my my soul because being a born again christian i i was in conflict continually <laughs> with what my feelings were saying and what my this the holy spirit was saying to me so um long story short uh, i was sitting in a car with her one night and uh, we were talking about something and i mentioned something about scripture which i it was just it just always poured out of me because i'm a child of god and so um, I mentioned something about Jesus or scripture, and she just turned and said, look, you know, if you say Jesus or scripture one more time, I'm leaving. You'll never see me again. I'm getting out of this car, and that's it. I, I will shut all communication down. 
And when she said that, it was like the heavens parted, the deception lifted, and there must have been, it was like Star Wars in the car. There was definitely a battle in the spiritual realm going on over me. And um, I could feel it physically, like what was going on, the war for my soul. And I heard the Lord very clearly say, choose, choose, mm. choose. I mean, that's all he said. But in that word, there was volumes of what he was speaking to me, which is I've been patient. I've been understanding. I know what you're going through, but I'm, you belong to me and I, I'm, I'm telling you to choose. And it was almost like when, um, like in, in the Bible where Pharaoh says, um, where God says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, no, I won't let your people go. And on the, you know, the last time the Lord, the Bible says the Lord, um, sealed his decision, basically hardened his heart. And I felt like that was kind of the position I was in. It was the Lord, like, this was the last, like, I was afraid God was going to harden my heart to the point where I would not hear his voice anymore and I would not be able to connect with him. And that scared me more than, uh, than anything. I mean, it was, it was very powerful to, to have the thought that God would leave and never return. I wouldn't have connection with him. So I chose him in that moment. And so instead of, um, her leaving me, I ended up leaving her and, she had no idea what had just gone on. She had no idea that I was hearing the voice of God, that angelic beings were in the car doing war over the whole thing. But I'm so glad that um, the Holy Spirit dwells in believers to give us the power to have truth and to walk out of situations that we've entangled ourselves in and um, to be able to hear the voice of God to do that. And so um, I think my story is a little bit... Uh, you know, I, I didn't gay identify before I was a Christian. I didn't want anything to do with it. I always thought it was something that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, I, I didn't gay identify even when I was involved in this relationship because I didn't, that wasn't my identity. My identity was a child of God and I knew who I was. So I ended up connecting with a group of Christians who were like me, who were walking out of, um, homosexuality and same-sex attraction and even some transgenderism and uh in the process of connecting with them i was able to encounter a lot of really good healing uh, they understood how to minister to me and how to pray for me and it gave me a place to honestly and openly confess my sin and not be judged for that and not be interrupted or interpreted with what i was saying but just um accept accept that confession and and pray over me. So yeah, that was kind of my journey. Um, and then the Lord called me to minister, go back in, minister in this arena after my healing, which took about five years, a five-year walk of really being restored. And um, I started coming out again, which was a ministry towards the Calvary Chapel specifically at first, because they were doing nothing at the time. And that happened to be the the group of uh, fellowship that I was in, the Calvary Chapel movement. And so um, I went in, networked with a bunch of pastors and just started ministering to people and uh, wrote a discipleship program and just really walked people into places of healing. And I'm still doing that today. We have uh, we have two more guests to go get to and other questions, but I, I just feel like you're supposed to pray 
right now over somebody who's watching this who needs to be set free. So why don't you, let's just break in right now. If the Holy Spirit, if I'm hearing corrective Holy Spirit, we're supposed to stop right now. Somebody's watching and this prayer is for them. Would you pray for them right now? Absolutely. So God, you know this person. You knit them together in their mother's womb. You were you were there, present, when you knit them together. And you called them into this earth in the gender that you gave them. And we ask right now, Father, that you would minister to their deep heart, the place that you're touching right now, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to them the truth of what you want them to know about you, about the woundedness inside of them, about the freedom that they can obtain through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, if, they do, if they're not even saved, if they don't know you, and they just happen to stumble on this show, I just pray that you would speak to their heart and say, come to me, yes. you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lay your weight upon me, and you will find rest for your soul. And so, Lord, we just ask for freedom. We ask for a beginning of new life right now, body, soul, and spirit, mind, will, and emotions, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Karen, you're listening to Karen Olson. Karen, what is the name of your ministry, your website? And if you've by chance written anything, tell us about that right now. Yeah, uh, it's Chris Olson. Chris with a K. Chris, I'm so sorry. Chris it's Olson. Okay. I can't believe I did that. Okay. And uh, I've been called worse. <laughs> um, and uh, the name of the website is comingoutagain.org. I have a I have a devotional that I wrote that are exercises in gaining freedom um, from some of the the um, issues that we deal with when we're battling our way out of homosexuality. That is called Body, Soul, and Spirit. I have a copy I'm looking at across the room, but I don't have it to hold up for you right now. So I can leave the screen and go grab it, or I, I, they can just look for it on Amazon. We'll have you do that in just a moment when the other guests are speaking. You can grab it then, but... Uh, okay. And your website again, you said? Comingoutagain.org. Oh, okay. That is fabulous. Thank you. And I presume you do a lot of ministry with people who have a story similar to yours. Yes. And, you know, I mean, there's been such a movement of Christians saying it's okay to be gay and Christian. And I think my testimony really speaks into the fact that God is not okay with that, that he will call his true children to repentance. And he, mm. you know... I mean, you can't you can't have both. We're so. going to come back to that very issue in just a moment. Jim, who do we hear from next? So I want you guys to hear from my uh, good friend, Kevin Witt, from uh, the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. Kevin, can you share a little bit about your story of not only coming out as a uh, transgender uh, woman, but a little bit of your background and your incredible testimony? And let me just segue this. I just love Kevin's heart because so many people, you know, it's, it, there's, I don't have a problem standing against the drag queens and children uh, being exposed to sexual content. We need to stand against, for, against the innocent, but let's never forget that those who are in there, they need Jesus too. And that's still Kevin's heart. He was one of them. He gets it and wants to love on the people who also need Jesus. So Kevin, why don't you share a little bit about your story and, uh, it's, it's an amazing story. Let me throw this out. I don't know if you have any pictures you can put up, but the, his before and after pictures, I can't have them on my phone because I don't want my kids to see them because, I mean, he's he's covered, 
but it's very, I'll just say provocatively, and to see how God has transformed this man back to his biological, how God created him is just an absolute amazing testament of, of the power of Jesus in Kevin's life. Yeah, un unmute Kevin, if you would, unmute. You're still muted, Kevin. Okay. Am I muted now? No, we, we can hear you now. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim, for having me. Um, and thank you guys for, yeah, having me on here. Um, so a little bit about my story. I was raised in a very small town. Well, born in a small town in Arkansas. And I was raised in a very dysfunctional family. My father was very abusive, not only to me, but to my mom and my sisters. Um, very physically abusive to my mom um, and eventually became very physically abusive to me. He always hated the fact that I was more feminine and not more masculine like he had hoped because I was his only son. I was... I was the baby and I was the only boy. So, um, and so whenever I was growing up, he really never had an interest in me. In fact, he made fun of me a lot for being feminine. Um, and I was born with a rare heart condition. So my mom was always taking care of me and spent more time with me than my dad did. Um, then eventually they got a divorce and I would only see him about once a year, but whenever I did see him, it was very abusive. And then eventually my family, my parents moved back in together and started living together because of financial reasons. And that's whenever the abuse got really bad. I came out of the closet at 15 years old as a, I first came out as bisexual because that was more accepted by society. Um, then I said I was gay, and then about a week later, I was trans. But I didn't even know what a transsexual was, because this was back in the 90s, whenever being a transsexual wasn't cool, and it wasn't the trendy, hip thing to do. <laughs> I just know that I knew that I felt like a female. And so that's what I started dressing as. And um, my father beat me. He burned all of my girl clothes, threw them in the backyard, burned them. And I was pretty much kicked out of the house. And I went to a live-in facility, which I ran away from. Um, and then from there, I was living on the streets um, as a teenager, as a 16-year-old teenager, sleeping on park benches and panhandling for money. Um, but prior to this, my father did physically abuse me and sexually abuse me. Um, so I had been sexually abused by my dad and then raped also. I never really had a lot of friends in school. I was very bullied. And my very first friend that I got was a, a guy. He was about my age and he drugged me and raped me. So after that, I really never really... I always was scared of men and I never, definitely never wanted to be a man because men in my life had always been abusive. Um, 
So whenever I was 15, I came out of the closet. Shortly after that, I was really embraced by the LGBT community. They took me in and loved me and made me feel like I was worth something when a lot of people did not, you know? Um, and so I be began performing in nightclubs when I was pretty young. And um, that continued throughout my life until I became a Christian eight years ago. But on top of that, I also lived as a female and I became a prostitute because it was really hard to get a job um, being trans, you know? And so I was about to get evicted from my apartment and I saw in the back of the Dallas Observer that there were these people that were like, they were escorting and I was, but I didn't know what escorting was. It, they said they were models, you know? And I was like, oh, I can be a model. And so I put an ad in the Observer um, and I started working with these female prostitutes that took me in and embraced me and showed me the ropes of that adult industry. And, you know, I eventually did all aspects of the adult industry. Um, I was a phone sex operator, webcam model, prostitute, dominatrix. I mean, you name it, I did it. Um, and I, I became addicted to the money. And I began to be like, if I wasn't making money 24 hours a day, unless I was asleep, then I was not happy. Um, and so that continued. And then, but one year, about nine or 10 years ago, I had a lot of friends that passed away. Like I lost six or seven friends in one year. And some due to AIDS, some due to um, drug overdoses, some due to su suicide. And within that time frame, I just started thinking like, God, am I next? And all these years of living in this lifestyle, way back in the back of my mind, I really used to question, am I doing the right thing? Is this truly a sin like people say it is? But, you know, I never wanted to believe it. Um, and eventually I met a transsexual another transsexual and she happened to be a Christian. And so she invited me to go with her, him to church. It was to a gay affirming church, but I, so I started going to church and she, she was like, you can be, my name was Dominique. She was like, Dominique, you can be trans and be a Christian at the same time. And I was like, oh, really? So I went to this church and I really, that was where I really started thinking about God. Um, and, but at the same time, there was just something about that church where I felt like, God, they don't, they say they're Christian, but they don't really take it that serious, you know? And then, um, so I eventually moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida to try to escape my problems, get away from everything. 
Before I moved, I met this lady though. And she said, she was a Christian lady and I didn't really want to hang out with her, but she took me out to have dinner before I moved. And she said, when you move to Florida, you're going to come into a group of Christian people. They're going to like lead you to Jesus. And I was like, what? This lady's crazy. Give me another drink. And, um, <laughs> but we went to, I moved to Florida. And while I was there in Florida, I first rattled out of the box, got a job working in a gay strip club and working in a nightclub. You know, I was also a hairdresser in the day. And because I worked two jobs because it's, Florida is expensive. And at this, at this strip club, I met this little boy who was a stripper. He worked there. I say little boy because he was younger than me. And he, um, we became friends. And one night we were drunk as could be. And he was like, hey, do you want to go to church with me tomorrow? And I was like, sure. I'll go to church thinking that this is just drunk talk and we are not going to church. But the next morning he showed up to pick me up. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. And so I put my hair in a ponytail, put on my girl clothes from the night before, and I went to church. And that church was Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And it was a huge mega church. Wait, and Kevin, just, had, just for clarity, you went as a kind of as a female, right? Yes, I did. You dressed up as a female and went to church. I love it. <laughs> I love <laughs> and it. And when I Praise walked God. in there, I felt like all eyes were on me, which they probably were. Um, <laughs> and because they were like, who is this six foot tall woman? Um, but I went and, you know, we were, my friend was like, had his hands up worshiping the Lord and I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, where am I at? What am I doing here? And all these, they had all these cameras moving around. And I was like, I hope nobody sees me on TV or anything. I do not want anybody to see me in a church. But it planted a seed in my heart. And um, after we left, I was asking my friend, I was like, what is that about? Like you work in a gay strip club and you're going to church. And he told me, he said, at Calvary Chapel, they have a ministry for people in the LGBT community. I was like, what? What is that? And he was like, yeah. And so I had never even heard of a ministry for LGBT people before. I only thing I ever knew about Christians was that they were judgmental bigots and they hated me. So <laughs> I was like, these people don't, they don't want to minister to me, but I eventually moved back to Dallas because I got sick. I have MS and different illnesses. Came back to Dallas and um, another friend invited me to go to church on Easter. And that Easter, I went to church on Easter because everybody goes to church on Easter. But that Easter service is what changed my life. And, you know, and it was, there was nothing special about it. They were doing a modern day hip hop rendition of the resurrection of Christ. So it was kind of like watching a drag show to me. And so I really paid attention because <laughs> it was entertainment. And I was like, oh my God, Jesus did all that for me. And I've been nothing but a heathen and a literal, a literal whore. And he did all that for me. And I just started crying 
and I was like, oh my God, like, you know, and then they did the whole, um, you know, the salvation prayer, raise your hand. And, you know, when I raised my hand, they were like, we want to give everybody a gift. And they gave us a Bible. So I left that church that day thinking I was going to be a gay Christian. And, but they gave me that Bible and I took it home and I, I began to read it. Not because anybody forced me to, just on my own, I wanted to read it. And I came across the scriptures about homosexuality. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, it says right here, very clearly that homosexuality is a sin. So how am I going to make this work? This Bible surely does not mean that homosexuality is a sin. <laughs> and so I tried to twist the scriptures every which way. I even listened to a few gay affirming pastors on YouTube. And I, for like a week, believed that homosexuality was not a sin. But then I just, I, I finally just gave up. And I was like, you know what? I just started praying to God. And I said, God, if you are as powerful as you say you are, then you will take away my desire to be a woman and my desire for a man. And slowly but surely, I started realizing, hey, I haven't been looking at guys the way I used to. And I haven't been wanting to dress up as a girl as much. And so, um, and it was, it was definitely a overtime situation. It didn't happen overnight. But I found this ministry that I began going to. It's called Living Hope in Arlington, Texas. And the leader there, Ricky Chillette, is like amazing. He is like a father to all the people that go through his program. I went there for a year. And what I really learned, my biggest takeaway was that even though I might be a little bit feminine and more feminine than most men, it does not mean that I'm gay, nor does it mean that I'm trans. It only means that I was born with a more sensitive personality and more artistic. And Amen. that is okay, because that is how, how God created me to be. God did not want me to be the average person that blends in in the crowd because obviously he had a work for me to do. So he needed me to be different and stand out. And so that was, that is how I was like, okay, this makes sense. And, it, and Ricky didn't even teach me that. It's just what I, the conclusion I came to. Um, and so, yeah, I, did that and that was all eight years ago and I've been a Christian for eight years I've been following God for eight years has it been easy not at all is it am I perfect I'm not perfect I will never be perfect I can't be perfect no human being can be perfect and um so God is a God of compassion and love and we have to have compassion and love for the LGBT community. And I love them because I know that was my life for over half my life. So when I first became a Christian, I was like, 
I love them more than Christians, but it's not that way anymore. But, <laughs> but I do have a special place in my heart for people in that community because I've been there, done that. And I understand how they feel judged by Christians a lot. And, um, but me, do I still have same-sex attractions? Sometimes, yeah. Um, but does an alcoholic still have a temptation to drink? Yes, they do. Or a drug addict have a temptation to do drugs sometime? Yeah, so it's no different. We all have a thing that we have to work through. It's the internal battle with our spirit and our flesh. And so, yeah. Um, now I am not in ministry, but I'm in politics. And so what I do is I, um, work with legislators to try to get a bill passed to ban pediatric gender transition. I don't think any child should be transitioned. Um, I think if you want to be a transsexual, when you get to be an adult, that's fine with me. I cannot control anybody's life. Um, I would prefer that they wait till they're 25 until the frontal lobe is um, finishing developed. But I know that no legislator will ever pass that. So I'm pushing for 18 and over. And I also am working with legislators this session to ban drag shows for children. That's an adult form of entertainment. We wouldn't take a child to a strip club we shouldn't take a child to drag shows. So that's what I do. And it's a huge fight. If you would like to know more about my work or be um, on my list of people that are activists, um, you can go to www.cwofa, which stands for Culture Warriors of America, cwofa.com. And if you want to ne- learn anything else about me, you can go to kevinwit.me. I will be, I've been working on a book called God Save the Queen for like a long time, but it's <laughs> supposed to be done. It's supposed to be done this year. So we'll see. I love your title, Kevin. God Save the Queen. <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> Kevin, we're going to come back to you and have you, uh, I pray. I've got a number of questions to ask all of you, but we, we've got to get to one more very quickly. Uh, uh, Jim, we're going to have to be kind of tight on our schedule here. We're running out of time. All right. We've got one more special guest we've got to get to. Danielle, why don't you share your story? Um, you know, we have actually first communicated over email and hearing her story. And I told this to Dr. Garlow um, earlier today. I said, you know, I know all these former LGBTQ people but for some reason, the former bisexuals, I don't ha- know a lot of those. And then I, the Lord brings Danielle into my life. She tells her story. And I was like, wow. And anyway, Danielle, why don't you uh, share a little bit about how uh, actually being a former bisexual uh, female? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And I will definitely be brief in my uh, story. This is actually my first time ever telling it publicly. Um, so I appreciate the opportunity um, to share and for practice. Uh, so I, I grew up in a Catholic household, um, but, you know, kind of like the typical just Easter Christmas 
uh, kind of Catholics. And after I was taken out of Catholic school in fourth grade and put into public school, you know, we quit going to church and we didn't pray or at meals. And so like I was like I knew about Jesus and the Bible, but um, I never had a personal relationship nor knew anyone that did or had heard or understood um, the gospel. And, you know, I was always pretty uh, tomboyish. And, you know, when I was 17 years old, I decided to join the military and I became an aircraft hydraulic mechanic. And I remember that I it didn't really sink into me what I was going to be doing until my first day of technical school. It was like me and 300 dudes in a hangar with all of these little tiny airplanes we were going to be learning. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to be a mechanic for real. And I went from having, you know, some, you know, female friends and influences to just being around all men. And, um, you know, and I, I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be the flight line princess. I wanted to be taken seriously. And so I started doing a lot of shop talk, like the young guys talk, and they liked talking about women and pornography. And I had never watched pornography, and they would talk about it. So I started watching pornography because um, I didn't want to feel like I was a prude or um, like I didn't know what I was talking about. So I started watching pornography. And although like growing up, I, I did have experiences in my um, childhood and I had some same sex attraction. And there was people that had people even in my own family that, you know, thought that I would grow up to be lesbian. Um, you know, I, I didn't personally like identify with that until I started watching pornography and I started listening to Dan Savage and his podcast, The Savage Lovecast. He's a married gay man and based in Seattle. Um, and I started listening to him for a few reasons. Uh, it's because I, I really deep in my heart wanted to get married, but I didn't know anybody who had a marriage that I admired. And so basically, like a lot of millennials, um, you know, we just turn to the internet for the answers for everything. And so I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm living in a new state. I don't know anyone. I'm not, you know, old enough to really make friends like outside of the base because I can't go to the bars, which is like most young people do. And I wasn't involved in the church. So I pretty much hung out with the dudes from work and I got all my answers from YouTube <laughs> and podcasting. So, you know, I was searching for a worldview, which is what a lot of young people are doing. They're searching for how, how do I look at the world and make decisions? And so I got super sucked into vegan YouTube and atheism YouTube and veganism had this worldview of like, oh, not only are you going to be thin and beautiful forever, but you're going to save the planet and it's better for the animals and all of these things. And then I got sucked into atheist YouTube, which was all very much like, well, if you're mature and if you're intelligent, then you won't believe in God because God is just hopium and he's adult Santa Claus. And that actually, as a matter of fact, religion's quite evil and it's, um, it's keeping us from all just growing up to that we're the only ones that are here, we're the ones causing all our own problems, and we need to set aside these myths and these fantasies and just get to the work of all coming together as one humanity to create, you know, utopia. 
And I was a very ardent atheist. I, I really got radicalized into these groups. So I would go to Washington, D.C. for these humanism rallies, and I would hold up signs saying, good without God. And every Easter, I would like post a meme about zombie Jesus and make fun of all the Christians worshiping zombie Jesus back from the dead. And every time Christian music would come on, I'd be like, Bleh! you know, like I would be, I was just, I was just terrible, you know, like, and, and nobody could talk to me um, about it because I was very outspoken about my, my beliefs, you know, or I, matter of fact, my, my disbeliefs, right? Um, so when I started listening to the Savage Lovecast, right, I'm already open to like, all right, I don't see anything with the adults and the people I know that like lifestyles I admire. So I got to figure out the truth and I need to try things for myself. So he really preached a message of um, that monogamy is not biologically possible. And so, you know, that's why the divorce rate is so high because either people basically have two options. You either pursue a monogamous marriage and you end up being in a roommate marriage where you're just cheating on each other in private or you're just getting divorced, you know, on repeat and then eventually settle. Like that's how he talked about it. And um, that seemed like a pretty bleak, you know, future. So um, he basically recommended that like, if you want to have a good marriage, you know, and be happy and satisfied in your life, you know, you need to fulfill all of your sexual desires and you need to seek either an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship. And for people that don't understand what those terms mean, it, it just means, you know, inviting people um, into your marriage um, romantically and sexually. And so I got married to someone in the Air Force when I was 22 years old, and I came out as bisexual, and I, uh, we, you know, we started de delving into that lifestyle of, you know, watching pornography together and, um having an open marriage and I was dating, you know, women and trying to find women to like bring into our relationship. And, you know, long story short, um, that did not go well. And that really, um, as I was growing up, I did not have a close, I didn't have a proper relationship um, with my mother and I never felt feminine. And so I was just so attracted to like I just so much desired feminine touch and feminine qualities. And once I started watching pornography and, and being around men all the time and not around women, so I would get nervous around women. Like once I got that distance, it it just became much more of a sexualized and a fetishized thing. And then I have this podcaster telling me, you know, oh, well, if you want to be happy and fulfilled, like you just need to, you need to pursue all of these things. And it was just such a deception and such a lie. And I would be so interested to um, like collect some testimonies of, he, he's a huge gay icon and a lot of um, married and heterosexual couples would look to him for advice. Most of the people with, that would call into the show were, were not gay, or lesbian or trans people, you know? And so I would be so interested to collect testimonies of other people who took his advice and were devastated by it. Um, so, you know, by the time I was 26 years old, I was divorced and I, you know, moved up north and I started graduate school. And then just long story short, I, I reached a point to where I had tried, you know, everything in the pursuit of happiness. Um, 
you know, I'd been on yoga retreats and 10 day silent meditation retreats and read all the self-help books and, you know, get the perfect morning routine and all of the crap that they tell you on Instagram. And I was, I was unhappy. And I just had to admit that I had not achieved, you know, what I had hoped to achieve. And, um, I ended up in church because uh, I had an internship and a woman um, actually became like a mother figure to me and the internship was coming to an end and I was really afraid I wasn't going to get to see her anymore. So I asked her if she went to church. So I was like, oh, well, I'm never going to believe any of that stuff anyway, um, but I can use it as an excuse to see her once a week. And so I went to church and like I said, I, I already confessed, right, when the Christian music would come on, I would um had such a visceral reaction but there i was in that first church service and they're doing the worship and all of a sudden i just start weeping and it's the only time in my life where i've cried and i had no thoughts in my mind you know and i looked over at her and i said what's going on and she says she just pats me on the back and she's like it's okay just just let it happen i'm like let what happen <laughs> And um, just, you know, for this, the, the, the sake of brevity, um, you know, God, I ended up getting saved at that church. Um, I was really, I got invited to a small group of all young married couples that all had the marriages that I had always dreamed of. And, um, you know, I had the mustard seed of faith. I remember saying the, the prayer um, to Christ, you know, to repent and to ask for forgiveness and to accept his salvation. And I immediately after I said it, was like, well, if you're not real, I will take it, I will take it all back. <laughs> and, but the good news is that he is real. And I'm just right. so grateful to be um, here and talking about this topic because, and sharing my story and hearing all of the other stories, because I think we're getting to a point where we're just accepting this culture change that has happened. And but there's people like me and the other people that are on this call that, you know, if there wouldn't have been people that were bold to tell us the truth and to tell us the gospel, we would be damned. You know, like we, like there are still so many people out there that need to be saved. And so we have to be courageous and speak the truth in love and tell people the truth because they can change. It doesn't matter how far into the lifestyle you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. Um, if people are ready to receive the truth and and God plans to deliver them, then it's our obedience to keep reaching out to them and telling them the truth. And God just redeemed every aspect of my life, my relationship with my family. I'm now remarried um, to a wonderful Christian man. And it's just, it astounds me every day. And, um, and, you know, and now he's blessed us with um, uh, a child that's on my first pregnancy. And so it's just, it's just miraculous. So I just want to encourage anyone listening, whether you're struggling with same-sex attraction or you've been in the lifestyle before, you know somebody that is, like God can deliver you. And he does that through his word. Like the word says, sanctify them by your truth. Um, my word is truth. The word is truth. So like that is how you change is you just keep reading the word of God and he will change you. He will change the desires of your heart and he will reorder you into a proper order and how he created you. Amen, Danielle. Danielle, did, so I'm going to ask you a question here, Jim, Jim Boy, Danielle, did I hear you right at the very beginning? Did you say it's the first time you have publicly shared your story? 
Yes, this is the first time I have publicly shared the, the full story. That is remarkable her first time uh th this is this is astounding uh, jim I'll, I'll turn to you but I i'm standing in awe of every one of you but danielle for a person who's done the first time that was eloquent magnetic uh -huh. winsome and convicting this story's got to be told a lot of times jim you started to say something but i've i've got to wrap up with some quick questions before we yeah uh, danielle when you were first married at 22 real quick were you married to a male or a female uh, I was married to a man. So I would say like, I was like 60% into men and 40% into women. And like one of the agreements of our marriage was that um, I, you know, I would be allowed to pursue both and pursue women's because I felt that if I couldn't find someone where I could fulfill both of those sides of myself, I could never be satisfied. I could never be fulfilled. And that is just, you know, such a lie from the enemy. Okay. Awesome. And you've been married for how long right now to your Christian husband? Um, we got married in 2020, so we had one of those pandemic weddings over Zoom. Awesome. And uh, you guys, I want I forgot to share this in the beginning. I can't believe it, but I've been married to my wife, Amanda. We're going on 14 years, and we have three kids, eight, six, and four. And let me tell you, Dr. Garlow, it is amazing to not only be a husband, to be, but to be a, a good daddy to my kids. These have been remarkable. Uh, uh, Jim, thank you for bringing Chris Danielle and Kevin to us, uh, quite just a, a blessed time. I'm going to just fire some, if we can do this, I'll fire some quick questions if I can. And then somebody's giving me quick answers because we've got to get to prayer here. Your story share is so exhilarating. I want to just keep going, but we've got to get to prayer. Wait, and, Kevin, uh, can Kevin unmute yourself and step aside and let's, who's that woman behind you, Kevin? Well, that is me. Um, <laughs> before I was a Christian. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna fire some questions here right now. Where um, what does what what do you say? Give a give a quick answer. I know this, it requires a long, but just try to make them quick. What do you say to the people who are taking the line of view? We can't we can't change. I, I'm homosexual, and I can't change. What do you say? One of you jump in on that one. I would just say that um, it, in Christ Jesus, the journey is always about change. It's, I mean, that's what he does for us. He takes who we are and transforms us into his likeness. And we have to be willing to let him take us wherever, whatever that means and whatever. It's full surrender. See, Christian therapists can lose their licenses if they say, uh, if they say to, to somebody practicing in a homosexual or said if you, you you can change they can lose their license in, in certain states including california right they won't you're not allowed to discuss that um uh, kevin used the illustration and i thought it was a good illustration that uh, many alcoholics though they become they walk free from the alcohol there's still the temptation is there now it's intriguing to me as one who pastored for a long time that when someone say struggle with alcoholism and then they get set free from some people struggle with the temptation intensely, but they're victorious. Others, they're repulsed by even the thought of it. They, they don't even want to be around at all. They can't even stand the thoughts of it. Uh, what is 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 it the same in the in the homosexual community, where there are are some who are 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 not? Do you run across people who are not tempted at all and actually so repulsed by it they can't even think of it? 
Or is it a case with most that you know that the temptation is strong, but the Holy Spirit's empowerment gives victory over it? Jim, my experience has been with all the men I've counseled in my own journey and talk about this in my book. I'm still tempted in that in that regard. Um, and the, I would say with men, it's probably closer to 95% of men continue to struggle with same sex attraction and or temptation. It is maybe even higher than that. The ones that have been truly set free that don't even, that doesn't even cross their mind anymore. It's not an issue. I know maybe one or two of the thousands of people that I know that are in that category. And I would say with the female it's probably more likely because I think with men, it's more physical and female, it tends to be more emotional and ladies, you might want to chime in on that, but I don't, I, I more hear people still continue to struggle. Okay. Yeah, I'm I agree. I, yeah. I, I, just say, I do agree that it is probably a little bit more of a difficult thing for the men than the women. Mm -hmm. A quick question. Another quick answer if we can. Uh, my observation would be that among men, the homosexual aspect is more hardwired. It seems to be harder, whereas among many women, there seems to be more fluidity back and forth. True statement, or is my categorization wrong? I think there's some truth to it, but it's a little oversimplified. Uh, again, I think it goes back to emotional. Uh, women, it's more of emotional, and when the emotional needs are met, it hits that itch or that scratch, so to speak. Um, with men, and again, I think men tend to be more sexual than women, and it's more of a, a sexual drive. And when we sin against our bodies sexually, it affects our soul. So there, it's like it's a deeper consequence of the sin, making it, hence, I think, more difficult to deal with. I was really glad for one of you used the term. I'm, I'm not right now. I think it may have been Kevin said, or maybe it may be uh, uh, Danielle. You saw people who are twisting the scripture, twisting the scripture. There's a lot of twisting the scripture today and trying to justify homosexual or transgender. I, I know there's no such thing as technically as transgender. There's no such thing. You can't change your DNA. But I'm using that term only because it's the common phrase of the day. And so consequently, because we have so many twisting scripture, the result is uh, this, this, this now adjective added in front of Christian, gay Christian. Quote, I'm a gay Christian, people say. Now, when people say that, do they mean, I believe a, I believe that a person can continue practicing homosexuality and call it a Christian? Or are they saying, no, I don't practice in that arena. I'm celibate. I know it's wrong. But because I've, I'm tempted by that, I'm going to use that label. If, if it's the second one, why on earth would they continue to use the label? Because nobody else would want to say I'm a murdering Christians or a glutton Christian or a gossiping Christian or uh, you get the picture. We don't we don't try to attach onto Christianity the sin from which He has set us. So how is that term used? Is it used both ways, or is it the first, or is it primarily the latter? The first is clearly a violation of Scripture. The second one is just poor theology. I mean, it's just not smart. But so uh, Jim, you respond to that first, and maybe someone else wants to respond. I, Daniel, go, why don't you go ahead and chime in on that? Yeah, I would like to respond to that. Um, I think that, so I went to a conference recently and there was somebody that was bisexual that was speaking and she called herself a bisexual Christian. And that just really broke my heart because for me and my same-sex attraction, 
it, I was, I saw so much deliverance when I stopped identifying with it. When I stopped looking at pornography, when I stopped hanging around people that were affirming it or thinking that that's a good thing or would be tempting me to that. So I, I think that, um, I think people, since they believe and they've been brainwashed to believe that it's an immutable characteristic, that this is something that you could never be delivered from, you could never choose not to engage in, that this is an identity um, that, that you can't escape, that it's almost like this, they're just like, just like agreeing to it, you know, and it's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to live with this the rest of my life, but this is still who I am. So I would just encourage anyone that's struggling with that, like, you will see less temptation and you will see part of that sanctification happen when you stop identifying with it and you start identifying as being a child of God and you start identifying with Christ. But that is just, that's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm really brief. Go ahead, Jim. Is, is it's heresy. You cannot be Christian and gay. You cannot be Christian and trans. You cannot be Christian and lesbian or bisexual. God, Paul, God, scripture is so clear in the micro, in script, in verse upon verse it is, and in the entire na biblical narrative, you cannot be gay and Christian. It's impossible. You're deceived. And, and I'm going to speak directly. If there's any pastors, you will be held accountable to God because you were intentionally and deliberately denying the power of Jesus to change lives. And I don't want to be in your shoes on judgment day because you were deliberately deceiving people that you cannot be set free, that you have this thing. And when you use the word earlier, Jim, hardwired. I'm cautious because there's such a lie in our culture. I'm born this way. I have this gene. There is zero scientific evidence. There is nothing that points to that as truthful. But yet the world will say that. And when pastors capitulate, I'll just say on judgment day, I, I'm going to pray for God's mercy for you because it is, and people don't speak this boldly, but it's heretical. It's heresy. It is contrary to God's word in scripture. Thank you for that warning of scriptures. And then thank you. I, I, I received what, not you. I won't use the word hardwired. I meant it in a different way than it. I mean, but that, that's good. That's a good point uh, on that. Thanks for for uh, uh, bearing that out uh, because we we know people can change. So yeah. I'm certainly not using it in the sense that they cannot change. That is uh, excellent. You know that uh, Kevin, when you and uh, Danielle referred to start weeping, you just started weeping in church. There's a name for that weeping. It's called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit coming up on you. Quite frankly, I'd like to keep asking questions, but this is the World Prayer Network. We've got to go to prayer, and I want you to lead in prayer because I don't know where this videotape, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know who else is going to hear this. And, and who knows the people who could be set free by your testimonies. Thank God you have described not only what you once were, but you described what you have now become, Amen. redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and filled with his Holy Spirit and empowered well, a victory that you didn't think possible. Hmm. So I'm going to jump right in uh, 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 for the prayers, and let's just go for it. And, uh, and I want you to just be aware that some people are watching right now who are brokenhearted as you were, and you have given them hope for the first time. And as you pray, this could be the moment that's going to set them free. Uh, uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with you, and then Jim, you go next. And then uh, I, I know you already prayed once, uh, Chris, but you're going to pray again, <laughs> and, and and then Danielle, and we'll see where we go from there. Uh, Kevin, pray for those who need to be set free like you were. Father God, I just thank you, Father, for 
this um, broadcast. And I thank you for Jim, Father. Um, and I thank you for bringing me here to share my story with someone out there, somebody out there that may need to hear my story. Father, thank you for using me for your glory to bring people out of darkness and into your kingdom, God. Anybody that's out there, I pray for them. If they are struggling with their gender identity or their sexual identity, uh, I pray, Father, that you will just break that off of them right now. I pray that you will just lead them to you, God. Father, just lead them to you, God. Any, and and bring them closer to your word. Give them that desire to open that Bible for the first time. That Bible that they may have had sitting on their dresser, just staring at it every day that someone gave to them. And they're thinking, gosh, I don't want to read that because that is so boring. I pray that you will just give them the desire to open that Bible and read your word and that your word will come alive in their life, Father, so that they can see exactly your plan for their life. That Bible will show them what you created them for, Father. Father, and I just thank you for everybody on here who has came on here to share their stories of redemption through you, Father. I pray that our stories will touch other lives that are out there and that those people that are out there will be, um, will hear our stories and say, you know what? I never thought I could change, but change is possible. And father, through you, anything is possible. Anything is possible through you, father. So I just pray that anybody out there struggling with their um, sexuality or their um, gender identity today that they will be the the last day that they struggle today will be the day that you bring yeah. them out of that yeah. struggle father in jesus name i pray amen before the next one prays i just want to drop this scripture in right now and there's a reason for it, it, it when when paul is writing to the church in corinth corinth was quite a tough church uh, i wouldn't have wanted to try to pastor the church in corinth had lots of problems and he lists a bunch of sins and then he said, one of those sins he lists, he lists among a number of sins, homosexuality. And then he says, and such were some of you. And they transformed. Now, the reason I'm reading it now is because as Kevin was praying, uh, because the way he has his screen set, he was disappearing and it was only showing the picture of what he once was. And right at first I was thinking, how do I edit that out? But then I realized, no, I'm going to just read the scripture. And such were some of you. This is a man who's been transformed by the power of the resurrected Lord. And so Paul writes, after listing a number of sins, more than just homosexuality, he includes a bunch of sins, and we know that. But among those is homosexuality. He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You, boy, Kevin, this is, um, this, this is a statement to Kevin. You were washed. Kevin, you were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Amen. And we just speak that scripture over every one of you listening right now that is coming out of, of, of a life that's been struggling. Such were some of you. There's hope for you to be on the other side, like Kevin and each one of you. Just go to the next person praying. And, and I, I just I, want to I, share real quick. Yeah. Can I just share real quick? Sure, that scripture, that very scripture is the scripture that gave me hope. Whenever I read that scripture for the first time, I was like, you know what? I can change. I can um, 
be set free from this because the Bible says so because of that scripture. I love that scripture. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, I, I, I kind of pushed you all to give short answers a little bit ago, but you don't have to be praying short prayers. Take your time and right. pray because this is ministry and who knows what God's going to do through the prayer you're praying. Take your time and pray. Jim, I think you're next. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a good, gracious, merciful God. Lord, you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that whoever believes in him will have, shall not perish and have everlasting life. God, that is not only open to every LGBTQ person, but everyone on the planet, every male, every female. So Lord, I pray. As people hear this, Lord, that your spirit would move and touch hearts and transform hearts. Lord, the, uh, Paul wrote in Romans 2, your kindness leads to repentance. Lord, that's your kindness. You desire humanity to repent and come to you. And as Kevin shared about reading scripture, I remember I had my Bible the whole time I was in the gay lifestyle. And I, when a friend, a Christian friend asked me, said, Jim, are you reading your Bible? And I didn't tell her this, but I said no in my mind because I knew it would change me and I did not want to change. I wanted to be gay. I was going to do this. This is who I am. And my identity was so messed up, Lord, but you were kind. You were gracious. You were merciful. You came to me when I was broken. You provided. You loved me. And God, you have restored the years the locusts have eaten from Joel chapter two in my life. And I can't even believe it's almost incomprehensible to have written a book, be married, be a father. And God, you know, and, and Kevin and I talked about this, about the struggle, about temptation. We get to choose life. As it says in Deuteronomy 30, choose life so that you may live. You put before us blessings and curses. God, you love man and woman so much. We can choose not you. What, who, what God does that we can choose not to do and live as heathen or sinfully as possible, but yet your heart is that we would choose to walk in righteousness, walk with you and live as you've called us to live as scripture does. Lord, um, when we are weak, then you are strong as Paul also wrote in second Corinthians 12, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So Christ can reign on me so Christ can be my focus and I walk with Christ and it's not about me you know as Luke 9 we are to deny ourselves pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus Lord help me help all of us listening to, to deny ourselves and I know everyone listening may not deal with LGBTQ stuff I don't know what that sin is that cross you're bearing that thorn in your flesh but Lord I pray that you and myself, we would deny ourselves. We would choose life. We would choose God. We would choose our spouse. We would choose our, our children, our family, our reputation over sin. Lord, thank you. Even when we mess up, you, your son died. Uh, Jesus, the blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness, our mind and our heart. And Lord, it does take work. Yes, we, we can come into your kingdom immediately the, the minute we accept your gift of salvation. But God, some of us have had sexual things done to our bodies, heterosexual or non-heterosexual, and things need to be healed and repented from and a lot of work. But God, you desire deep healing, deep soul healing, deep mind healing. Your Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus does that. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness that our eyes see, the memory wells, and even in our brains, Lord, 
you can watch that. You can re, re, reprogram our brains so we only watch good, healthy, appropriate things, not inappropriate. And, I, and I'm grateful for Danielle's heart just sharing the, the amount of pornography she was exposed to. Lord, I've seen that in the lifestyle, out of the lifestyle. And Lord, you can set men from that. In America, 86.5% of men view porn once a month. God. Help us, help set us free, help transform our hearts that we do what is honorable, what is good and what is noble. But more importantly, thank you that your kindness leads to repentance Lord. that you love us even when we fall and God, we can repent, we can confess and be set free and walk in the freedom that Jesus gives us. And Lord, I'm grateful and just ask that you would advance your kingdom as Revelation talks about, they overcame him, meaning the devil, the Satan, the evil one, by the word of their, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimonies. Let, let us glorify you as we are lights on this world. In the all-powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Chris. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces a harvest. And there's somebody out there listening right now that the Lord is saying, I want to produce a harvest in you. I want to bring a harvest of my love, a harvest of my grace, a harvest of my mercy, a harvest of my um, understanding of who you are and help you understand. I see everything. There's nothing hidden from my eyes. I love you and I choose to come after you. In, in, uh, in the scripture that was mentioned in 1 Corinthians, it starts with, do not be deceived. No one who does these things can enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. And so right now we pray against the deception that has fallen on this nation. That it's okay to, to offer our bodies up to wrong behavior and be okay with God. We pray against the deception and the lie that's come from the pulpits. We take back, in the name of Jesus, we take back um, spiritual things from cultural narratives and we we renounce the cultural narratives and we say yes to truth loose truth jesus loose your truth your truth sets people free it allows them to walk in freedom so let your truth come jesus pour holy spirit pour out your truth against the deception Call people to your throne room. Call people to your mercy. Call people to your glory. Call people to their future. Give them hope. Give them, um, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. Give them repentance. Let them hear the call of the Holy Spirit saying, come just as you are. And I will change you, transform you, and set you free. Amen.
Thank you, Danielle. Um, Lord Jesus, I, I remember when, when I spoke out against you and I didn't believe in you and the father, and I believed if I questioned how, how could you be good father God, how could you be good if you let people suffer? If you let, um, just because someone didn't believe in you that they would go to hell, um, how, how could you be so judgmental, so punishing? And that kept me, that kept me from you. And I'm just so glad for the truth that, um, I've been delivered into, and I love C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, because it really illustrates the truth that, that God, you send no one to hell. We choose not to be in heaven with you. Because um, what is heaven? It's being inseparable from you, Father God, for eternity. Um, so we have to love you. Um, we have to be in love with you to want to be with you forever. Um, so, and anyone can choose to accept the truth. Anyone can choose to um, lay down their own life to let go of what they think is right and how they think they should do things and just bend the knee and say, God, I've, I've tried, I've tried everything. I've tried my own wisdom. I've tried other people's wisdom and it's all failed. It's all not worked because you created me, God, and you were the creator and the ordainer of all things. So of course I cannot exist in in any orderly manner outside of your order, outside of your law, outside of what you say is the truth. And I, I really do believe that that's what this life is about, that God loves us so much, just like Jim said, that he doesn't force himself on any of us. He's always standing there at our heart, waiting for us to invite him in, waiting for us to accept him, waiting for us to ask for help. And the truth is, is that um, you might question like, well, why would God let me um, have these experiences or suffer through these things? And it's because it provides spiritual maturity and it forces us to turn to him. If every one of us didn't suffer and everything was perfect, we would have the delusion that 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 everything was okay and that we didn't need God. Um, but because we're allowed to fail on our own, that those very things are what bring us to our knees to see the truth. And then God is so good that he uses all the time that we spent um, rebelling against him and doing things our own way to give us a unique and individual story that proves without a question of a doubt that he exists. Every single person here that's told their story it is a proof of God's existence because there is no logical or rational reason why how we were living and what we were doing um, that we are transformed in the people we are today. And the Bible is a finished work. And it's amazing that the living document, the living word, and those stories of all the flawed people in the Bible and how God redeems their story and has a purpose for their story, as God's people, we're all a part of that. And we all have a story. And maybe, maybe you're still in the middle of your story. Um, and you don't understand why it is that certain things are happening to you or have happened to you. But I can just tell you, if you just get on your knees and you just stop trying to do things on your own, you accept Christ, you accept God as your Lord, and you ask him, ask him to change you, ask him to put you in line with who he wants you to be, in time, God will make it very, very clear to you um, like why he's given you the life that he's given you. And he's going to use every single ounce of pain and suffering that you've experienced to help someone else. 
And that's the beauty of, of being a part of God's um, God's people and God's family. And so thank you, Lord. I, I, I'm so grateful for the miracle of our deliverance. And I just pray that just one person that is listening um, to this call is, is delivered yes. and encouraged and saved. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this has been remarkable. So refreshing. I'm just so honored to get to meet each one of you. I'm thrilled to call you friends. Uh, you've ministered to me, and I suspect you've ministered to many. I want to call attention to a couple things. Uh, I'm going to go through the websites again, and uh, so you can have a pencil and paper, folks, and, and write these down so you can make sure you um, can follow up on this. But also, uh, Jim, I, I'd like to do a, an unusual close. Can you find the link of where a group of former homosexuals stood in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda and sang worship unto the Lord. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what, what was the song you actually sang? What was that? Kevin, Kevin was there with me, Jim. Uh, I videotaped it on my Facebook. I had over 4.5 million views in about 48 hours. We had just finished repenting of the sins of LGBTQ in America. And our friend Sunbird, a, a a black former androgynous, non uh, non binary, gender fluid, gender queer, he went as Remy. He's now going as Sunbird, a biological male, saying nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Jim, I wouldn't be surprised if many of your listeners and viewers have already seen it because Live Site News, CBN, so many media outlets picked up my clip. And broadcasted it. It's been viewed millions and millions of times. And well, I, I would love I, to share it. It moves me every time I listen to it. It brings me to tears. I've seen it. But right now, go, to the, uh, go oh God, on, your, on your computer. I just sent you Terry's link. Send it to Terry right now. All right. Who's running, running tech for us. And we're going to close out with this. Um, I just want to call attention to the websites again. Jim Doman, the first person who talked. His is churchunited.com or notamistake.com. The second course is the title of his book, Not a Mistake. And what's the name of the uh, Rainbow Crossers? What's it full name? The uh, Global Rainbow Crossers Alliance. And then uh, Chris Olson's website. I love this one. It's so creative. Coming out again. <laughs> Coming out again.org. That's very creative. I do have the, the book. If I just hold it up, people can probably. Yes, yes. What is the book? This is this is it. This is just a little daily devotional with exercises in it to help people just gain strength and freedom. And oh, so a body, body, soul, and spirit, leaving homosexuality and gender confusion to follow Jesus. Right. You can find wow. it on Amazon. Yeah. And they can get it at that website. They can go there to get it. Coming out again, but Amazon is really probably the best place to get it. Okay, and then Kevin's website is cwofa.com. Did I get that right, Kevin? Yes, that is correct. And what does that stand for? Culture Warriors of America. I need to connect you, if you've not met, Dr. Jay Richards, who's heavily involved uh, with legislation in Washington, D.C., in Congress, to stop this mutilation of, yes. uh, of children. So I need to connect you. We've interviewed him on the World Prayer Network as well. Uh, I would love to. Okay, very good. And then 
I don't know, uh, Danielle, whether you have a website or not, but I'm going to pray one into existence here. <laughs> and what, and you, I'm definitely convicted that I need to do something along those realms for sure. You don't have one. Is that correct? No, no. This is like I said, this is my, my first time being public about it. Remarkable. And you've got to write your book. You've got to write a book. Danielle Vota, V-O-T-A. Watch for that name. We pray a blessing on each one of these. Jim Doman, Chris Olson, uh, Kevin Witt, and Daniel Vota. You guys have really blessed me. Thank you so much for being on with us. And uh, to all of you who joined us, uh, go in the joy of Jesus. We'll see you in a few exciting days. Blessings as you go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.